Hi, listeners. We want to tell you about some upcoming live events where you can join Kate and I. We're excited to announce that our upcoming Tend Her 3.0 program is happening. This is our third year in a row where we've received a grant that allows us to offer this program for free for up to 1,000 women. Our theme this year is resilience. We've realized these fast moving times that are filled with lots of complexity require resilience. So in this four week online program, we're gonna be learning the science of resiliency, as well as all the tools that we need to strengthen our resiliency muscle. Registration for this opens October 4, and the program starts October 23. In addition, we are so excited to announce that this year we're adding to the Tender program an in-person Women's Resiliency Summit on Friday, November 17th from 9 to 4 p.m. It's going to be held at Little Lights on the Lane. Registration for this event will open October 23rd, the first day of the Tend Her 3.0 program. If you want to be first to know, follow us on Instagram at Kate Moreland Coaching, at Dr. Yoga Mama, and at Tend Her Wild. Last but certainly not least, consider joining Kate and I for a full live and in-person week of rewilding in the wilds of Costa Rica on yoga and meditation retreat, May 11th to the 18th this coming 2024. Space is limited, but for more information on this event and how to register, go to www.oneyogaglobal.com. That's O-N-E, yogaglobal.com. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tender Wild podcast listeners. We are so excited to have a special guest with us today, Faith Hunter. She is a yogi, a meditation teacher, and her practice started in the early 90s as a way to manage the stress and emotional pain of her older brother dying of complications related to AIDS. This 20-year journey Faith has been on with yoga, meditation, breathwork, and Reiki has brought her to a lot of experience. She's graced the cover of Yoga Journal. I've been a longtime Yoga Journal reader. She's been on the cover twice. She's appeared on Wendy Williams, The Real Housewives of Potomac. And she has appeared in Essence, Black Enterprise, Women's Health, Shape, New York, and Yoga Magazines. She is a yoga and wellness expert for Beachbody, iFit, Nordic Track, Fitbit, all you Fitbit users out there, she's she's one of their wellness experts. And she also represents brands such as Athleta, Foot Locker, Lululemon, as well as brands such as Warner's and Wellida. She is an author. She's written two books, Shades of the Soul, and her latest, Spiritually Fly, Wisdom, Meditation, and Yoga to Elevate Your Soul. So I met Faith personally Many, many years ago, we were both teaching at a yoga festival, and I don't think we actually interacted, but we were both so busy doing our own thing. But I remember how much light you exuded. 
And so I was at Barnes and Noble literally like several months ago and I saw your book and I was like, I know this person, I've met her. So I picked it up and almost right away, I turned to page 97. It's just like what I, the book opened to, Mm -hmm. and it's a picture of your tattoo. Wow. Uh And it says, love her, but leave her wild. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, all right, I got to reach out to her and see if she'll come on Tend Her Wild podcast. So welcome, Faith. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Well, we're so excited to have you. Yeah. Wow. What festival was that again? It was uh, the, I think it was called the Midwest Yoga Festival. (gasps) You? Yes. 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 So, yeah. So it's it's great to see your face again. It's funny how people come into our lives for a moment and then something brings people back into back together. Yeah. 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 And your tattoo is tattoo is beautiful. We already took a picture so we can include that for our listeners. It is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, yeah, I ended up getting this, um, right after breakup. As we often do, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I, part of our healing. And I I saw it actually on a woman when I was attending another yoga festival in Mexico and she had it like right above her, her heart chakra Mm -hmm. or right above her left breast and near her heart chakra and kind of leaned inward towards the center of her chest. And I was like, Oh, I love that. And I was like, and then I was like, I have to get that somewhere. And I was like in right time. Yeah. And you did. And we're excited to hear about your wild journey of life and all the wisdom that has come along with it, because what you've shared in your book is so deep. And I know there's so many beautiful tidbits we want to bring forward today. Definitely. So we always like to start faith. Um, We have learned with our guests the power of the first 10 years. So we always start by asking our guests to share with listeners a little bit about your first 10 years and maybe some of the pivotal experiences or um, the way you were raised, your family dynamics, anything you're willing to share about, you know, those formidable years, because what we found is it really shows up for people later in their life and in their work. And I feel like after reading your book, it very much does. So. Yeah. What would you like to share? Well, you know, as you asked, you were asking that question, the things that started to pop up in my head were so funny. Um, The first thing that on your face, popped up into my head was going to first grade. And it it was one of the most traumatic experiences ever because I am. a lot of people don't know this about me. I, I don't really share it that much, but from the time that I was six months all the way up until I was, well, sometimes it's hard for me to remember how old I was, but um, until my younger brother was probably 21. So all of almost all of our adult life, our childhood through adulthood, we had a housekeeper. And so she took care of us, like from the moment that we woke up in the morning till we we made it home and she took us to our doctor's appointments and literally everything. We called her mama banks. I mean, she was our second mother and I didn't go to full-time kindergarten. I went only half time because she would come and pick us up. So then when I had to go to first grade, I was like, oh Lord, I got to stay with these people all day. 
<laughs> Where's Mama Banks? Yeah. Where's Mama Banks? I like, I, I want to be with her. And part of it is that the way that she cared and loved us was so beautiful. And I, I didn't start appreciating it until I was an adult, right? In adulthood and just thinking back to those moments of play and, but also teaching us these really interesting ways of showing up in the world as, as a black woman um, for me. And like my, my mom was very instrumental, but the relationship that I had with her was very different. And it was just so much nurturing, but like sweetness. And I really believe that, and I haven't even said this out loud, I really believe my level of, of sweetness and service um, that I share and offer up in the way that I'm like, I hold space because that's what she did. She was like constantly holding space for us is what um, I think was the most powerful. And so when I went to school at six, I was like, no one's holding space for me. Oh yeah. But what the truth of know. that, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a harshness that happens when we're thrown mm -hmm. out away from those warm nurturing arms. Yeah. What a beautiful Absolutely. role model you had in her too of yeah. You is deeply in you, like you said, and what you can now offer to others. Absolutely. You also talk a little bit about for many of us is as women, we remember having to be the good girl and you say your job was to keep quiet and stay out of trouble Absolutely. and all, and playing the role of the good daughter. So can you talk a little bit about that too, growing we up? We both related yeah, to that. This is part of why rewilding and yeah. doing this podcast is that we were very, both of us, very conditioned to be good and to do it right and get good grades. And, and we see the limits of that, but not maybe until later in our life. And we hope to speak to it. So People don't have to stay in that box for so long. Mm -hmm. So we're yeah. curious about your story of being. Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest part is that both of my brothers were hemophiliacs growing up. And so they were constantly in and out of hospitals and they were getting injured and they were sick. And I mean, it was definitely stressful for, for both of my parents. My dad traveled, my dad was in the military. Um, so he was in and out of the house and my mom, you know, she worked full time and she was in grad school. I don't know how she did grad school with three kids. I still, I can't quite figure that one out. Wow. Was her secret. I don't know what she was up to, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, because of all of that happening, in in our lives I mean like I didn't have any like technically like on a very technical level my health was was great um I wanted to make sure that I didn't cause as much stress you know as kids we we just try to stay out of the way and I think there were probably moments and times where my my mom and my parents were like just get out of the way because we are in this moment right now with one of your brothers um and there were moments where both of my brothers would be down and like so it was important for me, what in my head at that moment, to not cause as much stress for my parents, um, to, as my dad would always say, you have two jobs, Faith. You, one job is to go to school, and your second job is to go to dance class, because that, that was my thing. So I went to ballet, and he's like, those are your two jobs. And I was like, oh, I mean, and this is like when I'm like probably 10, right? And he's telling me this. And so my job were to stay out of trouble, be quiet, not cause too much commotion and not get in the way. And so I was like, all right, well, 
I'll just dance. And that's kind of what I did. I just like really honed in, focused on that, hung out with people that danced. And that was my way of being good. Um, and not, I mean, I followed the rules. I don't even know yeah. how I did that. We all, we both did. of us did too, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, you didn't know there was, I didn't know there was another way. Like, right, exactly. I thought it was just the only way. So I'm curious, when did it, because um, Kate and I have had lots of conversations about when it caught up with us, the good girl syndrome. Was there a moment or a time when you felt yourself finally break out of it or see through it? I think for me, it was a moment of like, oh, wow, right? There are so many other ways for me to experience life versus just mm -hmm. being so bound to being good and perfect and others' uh, expectations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a moment you kind of felt yourself bust through the good girl? Yeah, I think it happened when I was actually here in New Orleans in grad school um, and, and I was working on my MBA. And I mean, really the only reason that I, <laughs> I even got my MBA or pursued it um, is because I wanted to like leave. Mm. I wanted to, to just figure out the most, the fastest route for me to be on my own and the, to be on my own is like, I'm going to New Orleans. Cause I grew up in rural Louisiana and I did undergrad it in a university that was in the same town that I grew up. That's how good of this track I was on. Cause I was following all of my, my lineage. I mean, I had my mom, my aunts, uncles, great aunts. I mean, my great, one of my great aunts was a college professor at that university. So, I mean, I did that pledge the sorority that everybody else pledged. I mean, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to grad school. So I go to grad school and I'm in the mix of focusing on school, but in this city, there's such a beautiful eclectic mix of people and music was such a huge thing for me. And so I was around so many amazing artists and there were like from all over the world. And so I'm like, wait a minute, these people are doing really cool things. And so I was like, I'm going to date who I want to date. I just want to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I want to dance my butt off in these clubs, you know, it's like, yeah. And so then after grad school, I um, I ended up getting married. That's what good girls do. Yeah, that's what we do. Faith, that's next. Oh my God, it's twenty five. Like girl, I was twenty five too. So was I. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it was like I was battling it, right? I was still kind of like hitting those those walls of like, yeah, I want to like step outside the this this box that I'm in, but I'm I'm gonna stay because everybody's now well you're finished school it's time for you to get married honey and then and then my and then my ex-husband was like okay um when are we having a baby and then that's what I was like no no bro no like it's I and that was like the full-on moment where I was like mm. no wow and I call I call my dad and I said how old were you were you like 26 27 Something like that. My my yeah. family says I was only married for a year, but I think it was two. <laughs> that's that's, I've that's a running joke in the family. Like, uh, you were you were only married for a year. I was like, no, it was two years. Was two years. <laughs> anyway, so I I, I call my dad and I I was like, Dad, I don't want to be married anymore. And he goes, Okay, but what's going on? I was like. I don't, I'm not ready to have kids and he wants kids and he's not willing to wait until I'm 30. And he goes, okay, I got you. Mm. And he had your back. 
my dad have my back. Wow. That's kind of yeah. amazing actually to yeah. hear you say that. My, my mom kept going, y'all can work it out. Yeah. You can work it yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they did. <laughs> Cause but that's that's, just, that's that says something about your dad that he felt your fire and he felt that you wanted something more. You wanted to experience life on your terms and that sure. especially at that time in culture and history to have a dad like who had your back. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, my relationship with my dad was very different than I, that I have with my mom. He always uh, supported my, my wildness. Um, and he would always say that my, my spirit reminded me, uh, reminded him of my great grandmother mm-hmm. and she was, she was all fire. Oh, and wow when you said that word fire, it was like, oh yeah, that's what he would say all the time. Nah. And, and so, I mean, and even to the point where like I fully stepped out of it, it's like, once I got a divorce, um, I, my dad was like, okay, do that. I, by then I was living in DC. And then I was like, I went through like a year of being separated. The divorce wasn't final yet. And I called my dad again. And I was like, I think I want to move to New York. He said, of course you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, of course. Because I mean, my dad, by then, my dad had like, seen the world. I mean, he lived in Germany and London and like the, the um, and Japan for a while. I mean, he, my dad had been, he had seen the world. And so when he, I told my mom, she was not happy. She was like, well, you should just come back to Louisiana, honey. You know, my dad was like, no, she, yeah, she wants to he saw your real spirit, it sounds like, and supported that. You have Absolutely. this great phrase in your book about, kicking crazy dust all over adulthood. Do you remember writing that? I Which, love it. You were talking about- Wait, wait, what like, did you say? Yeah, no, no. You were talking about how as a teenager, you were happy on the outside and confused. You were tortured on the inside, moody as fuck and majorly depressed. And because of all this stuff that you went through as a teen, I loved this phrase so much. You, you, you kicked crazy dust all over your adulthood. Oh, Yeah. I, well, I don't remember writing that, of, but I guess you know, something came through kicking crazy dust. I was like, that is so great visual fitting. And yes. And I mm. relate to it so much, right? Like when we yeah. have all this trauma or challenge, it, it does seem to come out later in adulthood. And that's my new phrase. Now I love it as crazy <laughs> dust. Like, which, there's some crazy dust here. What's yeah, going which, on? Which was you just reclaiming what it is you really wanted. It sounds like yeah. to me. Like, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was this constant struggle. And, you know, even if I was in a job that didn't align with me, then I, I would be totally dysfunctional in it. There's some more crazy dust. Right. And then, or it'd be like a, a relationship or where I felt like I was being trapped or tied down or like forced into conforming in this little box. And again, it was just like, one thing after the other. And it's really fascinating because even my family, they, after a while, they were like, you know, we, we don't know what fate's up to. And <laughs> I, 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 there were periods of times where I didn't even go home for years because yeah. I just needed to do me. You needed to do you, which I think is the mark of the wild woman. When she finally gets free, she has to do her. She has to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Develop that confidence. Can we talk about keeping secrets? Because that was also a powerful part of your book. Um, and yeah. you shared the story in your book about um, one of your brother, or both of your brothers contracting AIDS because of the hemophilia. Or HIV. HIV. Uh-huh. HIV. Uh-huh. Yep. And how your family dealt with it by keeping it quiet, because clearly that time there was so much unknown about AIDS, uh-huh. HIV. Uh-huh. 
Um, but how that impacted you. I mean, we would really love to hear about how that impacted you, this idea that I have to keep secrets. I yeah. Talk about this. I have to hold this in. Yeah, it was, you know, and, and this all happened like it was the 80s. So um, I probably was like 12 or 13 because um, I'm the middle child. And so definitely like my parents sat us down and were like, okay, both your brothers have HIV. You know what's going on in the news. And I mean, this is like a hard, like harsh adult talk, right? For kids well, to experience. Told, no yeah. one needs, yeah, like no one needs to know. And so it was like hush, hush for years, for a really long time. However, I think that made me a very secretive and private person. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I had like probably two solid friends that one of them knew for sure um, because I spent a lot of her name's Daphne. I spent a lot of time with her um, and her, her brother, my brother were friends. So that just kind of like made it easy. Cause my brother probably told her brother, maybe I'm not sure. And as I carried that, like that level of secrecy into adulthood, I found that when it came to relationships, it made it really difficult for me to form them and create like solid yeah. healthy relationships mm -hmm. um because I just I didn't express my emotions like even now like sometimes people are like you're kind of cold and I'm like no no like but it's funny because I it I'm and maybe because you're your teacher you a yoga teacher and wellness teacher you're kind of understand this fact of when you're showing up for your students you you I don't want to say you become this different person but I'm like spirit embodies me and so yeah. i'm i'm just showing up as service so it's um it's almost like a switch comes on yeah because i yeah. i know what i'm here to do and like i'm doing this well i'm here to comfort love care and support right and that's what i'm doing for these people that are in front of me but in my daily life i i'm, I'm like no i'm here to comfort myself Mm. Yes. And so that comes off sometimes as me being cold, it's me being selfish. But I think part of that skill set of shutting off was definitely honed when I was young and had to keep secrets. Like, I don't know if I would be different if that hadn't happened in our lives, my life, but I don't know. But it's a big part of your story, it sounds like. It is. It, it's yeah, it's still influencing parts of my story because in relationship, regardless if it's romantic or not, I have to make a conscious effort mm. to, to be open and to share and to show up in a very open and loving way. But also look at your work and your life and this book that you wrote spiritually fly. There's so many vulnerable shares in it. And those were the things that I was most drawn to. I was so fascinated about you, the person. I mean, I love the yoga practices that you put mm -hmm. out in the, in the book too, but it's almost like life was set up for you. It taught you growing up. It taught you to stay silent and quiet and good mm -hmm. and don't share too much. Don't let people really see you. And now look at you, you know, you're, yeah. you're writing books about vulnerability and openness and Exactly. authenticity and being wild and free. And so it's, isn't that interesting, right? It is, it's really, really fascinating because even just writing the book, it, it took me a couple of years uh, because I was struggling as I was writing it because it brought up so many emotions. 
And even my, my, my editor would tell me, she's like, take your time, pace yourself, but we need to know you. Yeah. She's like, I remember I sent over the first uh, manuscript and the first set of chapters and she's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. this is very technical. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know you. Yeah. We want to know you. We want to know your personal you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like the process of writing really allowed you to maybe do some of your own shadow work as you were writing your story. Absolutely. I, I tell one of my friends who's actually in, in the process of writing a book now, um, and she, we were talking last week and she's like, girl, I have so much stuff coming up, things I don't even remember. Why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> I was like, do you remember when I was writing and how much crying I was doing and how much like, I'm like, no, I'm going away and just kind of sitting for the next you know, couple of days and chilling. But part of that was, it was the shadow work. It, I healed some, some really old wounds because I'm writing about things and I'm like a memory will pop in and I'm like, this, this fits perfectly in this chapter, in this section. And so I'm like, sit with myself. Do I need to put this in? Do I not? Okay. Let me just write it. And then if she takes it out, it's fine. And then sometimes I would just like free form and just write. And then I've sent something to her and I'm like, okay, I know it's a lot, but just tell me what I need to, to pare down. And this is something I want this your story. yoga teaching is that you open and the things come through and sometimes you're shocked, right? Or the, the story from your lifetime comes through and you're like, I haven't thought about that in 15 yeah. years. Why? But it's perfect for what it's you're perfect. trying to teach. And Absolutely. again, there's something bigger that's yeah. helping us in all of this. <laughs> yeah. and, and I will say like, I want to just reflect too, that I feel like as we've been interviewing women and hearing stories, I really believe women telling their stories in whatever way mm-hmm. could be just to one person that they trust, but sharing your story, there's so much freedom that comes with that. And so, I mean, you've done it in such a beautiful way and sh- shared it with the world. Um, but anyway, I think women can share their story and own their story is so empowering and also freeing. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to honor that too, for any woman that's Absolutely. feeling like they've kept so much inside that there is, there's great power in to come out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really funny because you know, that, that freeing part, when you said that, I was like, yeah, be, once, once it was published, I was like, whew, yeah. Mm. Oh, wait, right. It was like, yeah, my editor and the team are seeing it, but now the world sees it. And so just let go. Like even my mom, like my mom didn't read it until she got her copy. And so she was like, oh my gosh. It's wow. the vulnerability but, hangover. That's what Brene Brown calls yeah. it. I love that. It's ah. like you you put this stuff out in the world. We have that. We, have we release these episodes and you let it uh-huh. the next day. You're like, did I say too much? Right. I, it's the vulnerability hangover, right? The next mm. morning, like, oh man, right? And a little too raw there. There's still a part of us that's like, what will the reaction be? Will yeah. I hurt oh, someone? Will I, yeah, because that's, that's, and that's also, you know, human, Um, but we're also mm-hmm. used to pleasing and not wanting to, like you said, as a young girl, rock the boat. So how was your mom with it? 
Um, she actually loved it. Yeah. I don't know how much she read because she hasn't asked me too many questions. <laughs> so honest. I know. <laughs> Our moms don't listen either. No. We don't think. Uh, it's like, I think she probably read. And then she said, the prince small. I'm like, mom, just get a magnifying <laughs> glass. Like, I don't know. Like, I just oh. do something with yourself. Um, but she did, um, read the intro. And then one day I read the first chapter to her and, and she was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And, then she, and then she goes, and then sometimes, or like maybe a couple of days later, she would go, oh, how are you feeling? <laughs> oh, which well, is she... funny. Cause that's never a question my mom would ask. Cause my, my mom, like she, she's, she's a really dynamic woman and all about the order. Right. And, and, and a little bit all about herself too. So for her to pause and go, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling great. The book is out. But also how has your work, your inner work, your shadow work, your reclamation been healing her too? Uh Like, I I think that when we commit to our own work, we are healing backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. And so that might be a testament to some of the work you've done that even allowed an opening for her to say, how are you feeling, Faith? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I like that you mentioned that because definitely in the process of writing the book, I would call her and ask her questions because I wanted to make sure that I'm remembering things accurately, especially in the first couple of chapters where I talk about the family and and also to get her, pers- her perspective on it as well. And so in that process, our relationship became a little stronger. Um, and, and now my, my younger brother, he's like, uh, uh-uh. anytime you're around, you get whatever you want. I'm like, oh, the baby, the baby, yeah. the favorite baby is the favorite baby. I'm like, it's like, cause I was just visiting her over the weekend this past weekend. And, um, I was like, mom, we need to organize. Cause I'm a Virgo. I was like, we need to organize like some of your paperwork because I'm like asking her all these questions. So I was like, let's just organize it. So I spent like a couple of hours doing that. So then I called my brother and I'm like, yeah, so all these things are organized and da da da. He goes, I don't, I don't like you right now. I'm like, wow. <laughs> he goes, I have been begging her to let me do this for a year. You show up for 48 hours. <laughs> Get, get it, it done, done. <laughs> and get it done. He's like, no. And I, he was like, she let you do that. And I'm like, yeah, come on. That's my girl. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love that. I think too, the more compassionate we are with ourselves in later years as women, I know I have so much more compassion for my mother because you realize, you know, all right? they were holding yes. and the era that they were living through and yeah, it's big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really it it it's. I'm glad you said that because the story that popped into my my brain. Um, well, I'm telling you guys a whole lot. Um, <laughs> this is all about faith. We love it. <laughs> Lord, I'm I'm thinking about my yeah. mom, right? And it's so my mom has her story. I wish she would tell it. Um, I'm telling it for her right now. But so thinking about how difficult it was during her time. So my mom, um, had my older brother, um, as a single mother in the sixties. Oh. And she, she was engaged to a man who was not my father. Um, she was engaged to a man and he was driving to, um, like probably like a two hour drive to come and visit her. Um, cause they were dating at the time and engaged and he got into a car accident 
and died. Oh. And my mom was carrying the child, um, who was my, my older brother. And so my grandparents didn't want her to take care of him because they didn't want the stigma of a single mother. So my um, older brother stayed with my grandparents until he was about three or four. And that's around the time that my, my dad met my mom and my dad was like, I'm going to get that boy. <laughs> We're family now, you uh, know, but it's like, I can just imagine my mom, she doesn't talk about it. She's only talked about it a little here and there, but the pain that she must have been going through. I mean, not only the cultural shame, but now you're not with your child um, on a on a daily basis, and you are trying to survive as a single black woman in the South. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then losing that son, right? And th- and then losing, yeah, her first son, and losing so that first son, yeah. And through like, such a such a you know, I don't even know how you describe it, right? A, a blood transfusion that, right? It's like supposed it, to help. Supposed yeah. to help. You're doing everything you can to care for your child and yeah. uh, keep their health safe. And then the the horror of finding out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, significant. Yeah. I mean, like my brother and I talk about it. My younger brother and I, we talk about it often is that we do feel sometimes my mom just holds on to so much guilt. Yeah, right. You know, and because my, 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 I think I talk about it in my book where both, you know, all of us, my, my brother, my dad, um, both of my brothers, we all went to therapy during different moments in our lives, but my mother never did. I think she went to like one appointment. She's like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like people knowing my business. Like, And that's such, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I think why we're doing this podcast is especially that generation. You didn't talk, you didn't share, you held it all in, you kept it hidden. And I think what our generation is learning that to free ourselves, we have to be real and authentic and everyone suffers in their own way. There's not one person on earth that doesn't have a story to tell about how they've struggled or the challenges that have come. So when we speak it, we realize we're not alone. I mean, there's so many... We're, we come from different states, different regions, and so much of your story I related to, mm-hmm. even though I didn't have a brother who's, who's died or right. But, mm-hmm. but the, the same feelings, the emotions, the experience, it's like, oh, I see myself in her. And so when we tell our mm-hmm. stories, we help each other, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that about your mom. And I just want to honor that, you know, she probably will never listen to this, but oh, you telling her story right yeah. is powerful right because mm-hmm. other people are going to hear it and it may soften their hearts or make them think i'm going to call my mom today and tell her how much i love right mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing yeah. and she Absolutely. has to be really yes. proud of you too because i think as women even i have a daughter who's in her early 20s and so i know i see her doing things that i couldn't have done at her age and so just the fact that you have stepped out and told your story and you're working and empowering others, um, that you're living your Dharma, I think for her is probably deep down so rewarding for her to see. And so there's gotta be a lot of pride there too, whether, you know, you hear that daily. I know a lot of our moms don't always say it, but I'm certain it's there. And it's moving, you know, from DC and New York and finally um, making my way here after a couple of years, not 20 plus years, 20, I don't know, however long, 
but coming and moving to New Orleans um, and being over four, maybe like four hours from where she lives, I think it is. She is so happy that I am close to her. And so I can see her. Yeah. yeah, I can drive and I can be there in a couple of hours and I I can feel, you know, she may not say it, but I can feel the pride that she has. And um, my office that I'm sitting in right now, she calls it her room. Oh, so I have to like get her bed to put in here. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother is so funny. And so I took a TV from my mom's house while I was home. Um, Last, over the weekend but oh, you earned it and, if you organized all our paperwork <laughs> I, that's what I said I was like but I told my mom's like do you need this tv and I'm like no not really I said but do you need it for your room when you come to visit yes I do oh I, love that. I was like okay I'll take it and then my brother calls me like you know eight hours later and goes did you take the tv you had a lot of bones <laughs> to pick with you after that visit I didn't know. you Faith <laughs> You know, I'm struck, I'm struck by you being back in New Orleans where I didn't realize you'd gone to grad school or I'd forgotten that part where you, I feel like that's where you really came alive and Mm -hmm. it feels like you are now back there. there. Yeah. You're back. You're close enough to family, but you're in the place where you feel most alive or haven't passed. And so it's, I'm a big, I believe environment is so powerful. And so I, I, I just want to kind of note that you've returned to a place that feels like home to you, your home, my home. Yeah. It's interesting. There are so many memories here. Um, This is where I started practicing yoga. Mm, Your first first, time. My first time I made my way to a Kundalini class. All it said was yoga. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, Oh Lord, what was going on? And Kundalini yoga. That's Mm-hmm. Right, Stop. I don't know. Powerful, hard, uh, intense. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like, what am I? I, I was like, what am I getting myself? So vinyasa into? yoga class. This is Kundalini yoga class. This is Kundalini. <laughs> I was like, and I, and I didn't even know what the styles were. Right, I just knew it. Just said yoga, so I'm showing up, and um, so that's I experienced that here. But even my selection of my home um, was very intentional this time because I was like, I have to see water. So that means I have to be near the Mississippi. Oh, I have to be high, high up enough so I can see it every morning. Like I literally was visualizing before. And it's funny, before I even moved here and even decided to move here, I would have these visions. And, and I like when I wake up in the morning, I was like, okay, I'm going to see the sun come through the window and there's water. I'm going to see the sun through the window and there's water. That's what I said. I bet. manifested it. I did. It's crazy. Like literally the sun hits and I wear a mask. My poor dog, he knows when we open the door and all the sun comes through, right? He's like, oh, Lord. Um, And then I walk into my living room and it's like, it's filled with sun and the Mississippi River to the right and to the left of me. And I'm like, yeah. 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 So healing in so many ways. Yeah. Oh, I, that's, I have a picture of that. Um, what you talk in the book about your trips to Haiti. Can you talk about kind of how that began for you and what that's meant for you in your life? Wow. Yeah. So after the, the earthquake happened in Haiti, um, well, actually let's, I'm going to, this is something that's not in the book. Um, so my family, 
um, we're from Louisiana and in our lineage and, you know, through slave trade, um, we have family, both um, or our ancestral lineage um, is Jamaica um, by way of other islands. And then, of course, we've um, Africa and then finally Louisiana. And so I've always kind of known a lot of that anyway. Um, and anytime that I'm like on an island in the Caribbean, I just feel so grounded. Yeah. But when I moved to the East Coast, lived in DC or New York, I would fly home and the same thing would happen. I would like land in New Orleans or or land in Monroe or Shreveport. And I'd be like, oh, <gasps> Like someone, something would like draw me down and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> roots. My roots. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reconnected to them. Right. And so when the earthquake happened, one of my friends was living there, who's a yoga teacher and she worked with a lot of different NGOs. And so she's like, we've been working with some young people and they want to become yoga teachers. She's like, but I don't know who to talk to other than you. <laughs> And she's like, are you comfortable with committing your time to do this? She's like, we don't have any money. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Yeah. I was like, how about we do this? Um, I'd need help. And I know some people in my tribe because I had a yoga studio at the time. I was like, I know some people in my tribe that would love to come and assist. And basically that's what we, I went, I took two trips down there. And when I landed the first time, I had that same sensation of like, whoosh, your bones. Yeah. You're supposed to be yeah. there. I was supposed to be there. I was like, I remember the, the ride from the airport to my friend's house. And I'm like looking out the window and I'm like, Hey, I know you. What's yeah. up? I know you too. And I was like making eye contact with people. And so I was like, wow, I feel this. And then the first trip, the, the second trip was the full on training. Um, but the first trip was like, let's get acclimated. Let me meet people, connect with people, see and like do all the organizing and things like that. And I timed it perfectly because it was carnival at the same time. And we were in Jacmel and um, which is not in the book. We were in Jockmail and all of the expats and some of the other people were like, we're just going to stay in the hotel and like lean over the balcony and just like watch all the people party. And let me guess. You did you, not. You, let me guess. <laughs> well, no, I did. It's like, I'm not staying on this balcony. Going stay down. This, I'm going down. So my, my friend Went that was the heart with of it. She's like, yeah, I want to go down too. And so of course it's like tons of, of us up there and somebody's like, well, you ladies shouldn't go down by yourself. And some random French guy comes with us. <laughs> I'm going to protect them. Whatever, dude. So <laughs> it was so funny because I'm like taking off my jewelry, taking off my watch. Like, here's my cell phone, earrings off. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. And four hours, we are in the mix. Mm. And the crowd would move and would shake and like we back up and move forward. And it was so much chaos. Sometimes people were like spread real quickly and they come back together. I mean, it was, we, I mean, there were people like in my face, like literally three inches away, right? We were shoulder to shoulder at different moments. But the entire time that I was down there, I felt safe. Hmm. 
there were there were other um there were Haitian men down there protecting us. Anytime the crowd would move, they were like, Oof. all right, ladies, y'all ready? <laughs> and I was like, this is so comforting because these are my people. Yeah, these are my people. These are my people. And so going back the it's second amazing. time around, yeah, to do the to do the training, it was such a beautiful experience to see these young people. I think they were between the ages of 15 and 25 to see them learn these really ancient practices on a different level where they're now going to be teaching in their community and working with NGOs. And so now they're going to have like, be able to make money and like make a living, not only for them, but for their families. And it was just such a beautiful experience because they were so appreciative, but I was more appreciative of the kindness, the love and the care that everyone on the island provided me with. They gave me exactly what I needed. I was like their child and they were caring for me. So beautiful. And I really love to know that there is yoga happening in Haiti. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Beautiful. It, it takes me back to your, when you say your true dharma is to be of service by empowering and inspiring others to live their lives as divine beings. Yeah, absolutely. Example of you living your your dharma. Yeah. And I, that, that's, I think that's one thing that I try to do my, do my best with is just follow those, those pings because for they me, they come in, don't they? Yeah. Where are you drawn? Oh, they come. Yep. Where yeah. I'm drawn. Okay. Follow that. Where I'm drawn. And it's like, even making the decision to come here was like quick. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? Um, I, a life change has happened because that's kind of what happened. I had a, like a crazy life change relationship and crazy life change. And it was like, what am I going to do? I was just like, all right, I'm moving to New Orleans. Yeah. And I feel like when you're tapped in and you're listening and you're doing all these practices that you're doing, you, I mean, I think everyone, we all get the pings, we all get the messages, but you have to be slowed down enough to actually hear them. And then you have and to trust. be brave and courageous enough to follow through on them because we can hear them and be like, well, that's a pain in the ass to have to go do that. No, mm -hmm. thank you. But, you know, I just really honor that you get the messages and then you're like, all right, I'm, I'm moving. Here we go. Next adventure. Go. Next, next adventure. Next yeah. adventure. All right. We have two more questions for you. Sure. And the one, uh, there's a heading in your book. I ain't sorry. And I have to talk with you about this. Cause again, I feel like this is the wild woman, this wild woman archetype of like, I got to break out of the boxes. I have to figure out my truth. I have to live my Dharma. I have to follow my heart. I have to listen in. And you write about why do we need to apologize about what makes me happy or what I need or where I want to go? And again, that good girl, we're coming full circle again here of the good girl follows the rules and does what she should and plays it small. And like, can you give us and our listeners just some guidance about like, how do we really live? I ain't sorry. This is my life and I'm doing it. Do you have some guidance? I think there's two words when you you were asking the question that came to mind. Saying yes to yourself and being unafraid to say no to other people. Mm. Yeah. And it's it, often it, related. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, yeah. most of the time we're we're so conditioned to say yes to everyone. Please. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and people will guilt you, people will beg you and it's just, and then you're like, okay, 
okay, I'll, I'll do that. Or I'll adjust my life in this way to fit what you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm what, waiting what to that big is, time. What the heck is that? Right. I mean, and, and not saying that there are like, if you're in partnership that there's, you know, there aren't going to be some compromises and, you know, some balance there. But if you aren't as a woman, if you aren't saying yes to yourself for something every day, every day, every day, every damn day, every damn day, every damn day, like you, you're wasting your life. Mm. You're wasting your God-given life. Like, even if it's just one single thing, you're like, okay, I have so many responsibilities to everybody else, but I'm saying yes to myself because I'm taking a bath. Right. A salt bath today. That's my figure yes. out dinner. Yes. <laughs> they can figure out dinner. Yes. They're not going to starve. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you know what? I'm going to go take a walk after this conference call. Fuck the emails from my yes. boss. <laughs> they'll be there when, when I, I get, get back. back. Plus yeah. 10 more. <laughs> yes. Plus 10 more. Yeah. I need this walk for myself. So saying, saying yes to yourself at least once a day for something and being unafraid to say no when it doesn't align with with you. What beautiful advice for our listeners too. It's very timely for me too, Faith. So thank you for that. (laughs) I needed to be reminded of that. So we always like to end with a question that comes from the infamous book, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Mm -hmm. Nicola Estes. Uh, There are a few precious doors into the world of the wild woman. If you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a sane life, a full life, that is a door. So which door do you think you've taken into your life as a wild woman? You can have more oh, than my- two, by the way. Yeah. I was about... I was about to say, um, I think definitely the scars, there are these emotional scars from growing up and, you know, having to navigate my life with my family, meaning my, you know, our, my brothers, um, and the death of my brother, the death of my father, that were very, like their deaths were very close in timing. Um, and those, that scar is more like a, a male figure scar because they, both of them like breast that masculine energy um, was so important for me. And they were both extremely supportive of my wildness. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, so that's like a major scar. And then um, the sky and the water, I'm like, water is so Oh, important about that. Your apartment apartment. overlooking the Mississippi. I'm like, she's going to hit that one. (laughs) Yeah, It's like the sky and this, I'm, I'm like, a lover of sun, but I'm also, it's this thing I say all the time. I love cloud porn. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I'm like the clouds. They're just up there. I don't know what they're, they're busy and they're having all kinds of morphing. They're morphing, changing and intertwining. It's like Mm. porn. I'm like, what is it? I love it. I call it my cloud. Cloud porn. So, because sometimes I'll just like stare, especially when I'm flying. I'm like, I need to be by the window, not because uh, I want to lean on the window, because I want to see us go up and then uh, go through the clouds. And I, I really appreciated it when I, I did skydiving for the first time. I did a tandem jump and I was just like, oh, 
clouds and this is heaven. So, so definitely clapper. And there was another one. I think the last, what was the last one? Deep life, full life, same, same life. life. That's yeah. important. Yeah. I will leave. And I, people think it's funny. My like meeting my friends, they're like, girl, you will leave in a minute. I will. Yeah. I will leave. Cause I need to be happy. Yeah. I need. To, and do you mean happy. that I will leave in that? Like if, if you're in a space where it doesn't feel right or you're not, it can be, it can be wanna, small. Like absolutely. you're just like, I'm out. Yeah. I will give dip. yourself permission to be like, this is not sane or deep. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, out. I did it. I did it last weekend. My, my cousin, one of my cousins had a birthday and I, I did the dinner birthday with her and some friends and like, that was perfect. And then the next day she had another group of friends, like, take her out. And they were at a bar that was um, down the street from me. And so she sends me a text message. She goes, Hey, um, when you walk Sebastian, my dog, when you walk him drop by the bar. So I walk into the bar with my dog and I'm holding him. Cause he's a little shit too. And I'm holding him and I'm like, Mm-mm. <laughs> not my So scene. I walk. Namaste. I mean, and I've been in this bar many times, but it was just the people and the energy at that day. And not my cousin. My cousin's always cool. So I walk in and, and she goes, oh, hey, how's-? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not staying here long. <laughs> I'm saying yes <laughs> to myself and no to this. <laughs> no to this. And I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, Sebastian. And I just came to say hi. Hi, everybody. But like, and so it can be small like that, or it can be huge. Right. It can be in, in business partnerships. Like I, I'm unafraid to say, you know what, this is not working. Not working. This is not working for me. Um, I'm not happy in it and my voice is not being heard. Or, you know, in romantic relationships, if I'm like, you know what, I'm I've tried, I've made attempts to make this work, or you know, or it's just simply just not feeling good. I'm out. Deuces. You're so connected to your yourself and to and you live unapologetic. You live it. It's. I mean, it it took it took a while, but it's. I mean, I think the the real moment happened before I turned thirty. Like that was like when the light bulbs went off. I got my divorce. I like started to step outside of myself and meaning step outside of that old self. And then over those years, it be- my yeah, you found confidence in self. me, I found my true self. That person started to emerge. And so I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm like, oh my God, I'm 52. No, I, I don't have patience for some stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not apologizing for the fact that I don't. Beautiful. I, have patience. I have patience for I myself and same. my, for my dog and my mom. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> I like that. Yep. Um, yeah, you and I are the same age. So I, there is something about 52 that 50 that for me. Mm-hmm. And we've talked point. to women that we feel like are rewilding at 20. And I love that you said it happened for you at about 30. For mm-hmm. me, it started, my process started at 40. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's a whole range. I think of when women get to the point of like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't real enough. This isn't sane enough. I'm you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not my true self and we all figure out a way and it looks yeah. different, but yeah. the same of getting out of that box. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, where can our listeners find you yes. online? 
and learn more. And what are you doing right now that yeah. listeners might want to know about? Yeah. So um, every, all the different links and things like that, um, they can find at my name, faithhunter.com. And then throughout the, the internet world, sometimes you'll see spiritually fly because that's what I am on Instagram and I don't know, some other platforms anyway, threads. <laughs> Yes, the threads. whole new thing. And then I, of course, I have my YouTube page is Faith Hunter. Um, I have a lot of free content there. Um, I also have an app that's called Elevate by Faith. And um, that also has its own Instagram. So it's elevatebyfaith.app um, on Instagram. And what am I up to? Um, I, I was telling one of my team members uh, two days ago, I was like, forgive me. I'm finally grounded. You just move because it takes a while. Yeah, it takes a while. I I sent him a text message, just like, okay, are you ready to talk? Right, because because we needed to start doing some additional planning, and he was like, it's okay. I was trying to pull myself together too. He's like, I like that we know each other. <laughs> and there's an ebb and flow. So well, I think we would both as entrepreneurs say the same thing. There's like an ebb and flow, and there's the need to be sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that you mm-hmm. can do the next doing, and, and so-, so it can. Yeah. So now it's time to do that. But the next doing um, we have, I, so I have some teacher training, online teacher training that's happening right now. I have um, Kundalini because I'm a Kundalini teacher after all these years of practicing. I've decided to become a teacher um, several years ago, but I have a Kundalini immersion happening. It's an online program that's happening in September in October, we start a chakra healing immersion. That's a couple of uh, days as well. And then in March, people can come to New Orleans and experience sacred sound healing experience. And that sacred sound will include sound bowls with one of my friends. It's amazing. So she will be not only sharing her, her beauty and magic of sound bowls, but also teaching people how to play. And I will be doing um, how like voice and mantra and that kind of nod sound current um, as well. So teaching a variety of mantras, both Sanskrit, Gurmukhi as as well as uh, Yoruba mantras um, from Nigeria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. Well, thank I've you. I've never been to New Orleans, so I, I might I know. Oh, oh, and come visit you. Girl, I'm, 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 ex- so I'm so excited. Fr- Friday through Sunday. I can't remember the dates right now, but I'm uh, I'm really excited about doing it because I get to bring people to to my city. And we're gonna check it out. I think we are. I think we might yeah. have to do a little enter wild road trip and <laughs> come visit. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're gonna mix in some culture and some food. I mean, oh, can't love be here that. without without food. So, um, yeah, should be should be a great weekend. And then of course there's some other, that was the other thing that I was talking to my, my partner, um, my business partner and, and team member with yes, or two days ago is that we're going to plan some other retreats and we're going to do some pop-ups in uh, DC, Atlanta, and LA um, as we move into 2024. Right. Um, well, thank you so much. Such for a this. joy to talk to you. We oh love my it. God. I love talking to you ladies. It I was know. Like, this is like the best Friday morning for Great. me. I'm, just, I'm like, yeah, like literally you guys were my first thing. Cause I like to wake up slow. I'm not one of those early morning yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm gonna wake up slow. I'm gonna walk my dog. I'm gonna do my hair. Stop being a wild woman. It's <laughs> like, yeah. You know, when I, we meet was, each other, we know each other. We're like, yeah. oh, I know you. I see You're you. one of us. 
Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, it was yeah. great to, to do this. Thank right. you. Thank you Thank so much. You. Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. If you are needing a reprieve from the fast pace of our modern life and want to connect a little deeper to yourself, I would love to see you at my next retreat, which happens to be in the Cork countryside of Ireland this September 24th through the 30th. You can join Kate, myself, and Kimberly at this retreat. And it's falling at a very auspicious time because we will just move through the fall equinox and we're moving to days that are shorter. So this is the perfect time of year to begin to draw inward, to slow down, and to really drink in the beauty, which will be rampant in Ireland in the fall, uh, to sort of support you and nurture you over the winter months. If you are curious about this retreat, you can check out more and how to register for this. We have, I believe, just a couple spots left uh, in the show notes. I can't wait. I can't either. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. The